Hola mi gente, welcome back to Hapa Talk. This is your host Jasmine Luchis and you're now listening to season four. This month we'll be celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. What is that? It's a celebration that was created to recognize the positive impact that Hispanic Americans have left. So the people that we will be highlighting this month have been such a positive impact for the next generation to come and I can't wait to share their stories with you all. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to Hepa Talk. Today we have a special guest, and I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce herself. Hola, hola. My name is Cynthia Jaimes. I am a photographer here in Dallas, Texas. I'm the owner and founder of Sin Photos. I am very blessed enough to have my own private studio here in Oak Cliff in Dallas, right on Jefferson Boulevard. And it's been such a dream to establish my own business in the neighborhood that raised me and to always be able to find ways to get back to my community and now kind of step into an educator role for other photographers and small business owners. Um, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's always an honor. No, I, I've been wanting to connect with you for so long. Um, I actually saw your TikTok. Um, I want to say maybe even a year ago. Um, and I've been following you ever since. And one of the things that I'm going to ask you is what made you pursue photography? So the story of how I got into photography is kind of a long one. It's kind of like a telenovela. <laughs> um, so to hit like the big points, I originally went to Texas A&M to study pre-med and ended up having the worst year of my life in like dropping out of college, which is something I never imagined doing as a first-gen Latina, especially as the eldest daughter that was always, you know, made to believe that I had to set the example for my siblings. So I came back to Dallas really defeated, really depressed, not knowing what direction to take my life, really not feeling like there could possibly be any other value I could give the world besides being a doctor, especially a Latina doctor. Um, while I began kind of just picking myself up and working retail jobs, I had a lot of co-workers encourage me to study journalism because they were all writers. And so that kind of led me down the rabbit hole of sharing people's stories and being a voice for my community. That's also in this point in my life that, ironically, my biological father comes back into my life. And I knew of him. I had never met him or talked to him. But I knew enough to know that I didn't want to be anything like him because of obviously of how crappy he had been to my mom and myself. And so the irony is that he is a photojournalist in Mexico. And so when he kind of came back into my life, we were talking about what direction I kind of wanted to take my own life. And I mentioned that I wanted to study journalism and he was the one that made the recommendation to study photojournalism, to pick up photography as a part of it so that I could be the one writing the stories, but also being able to capture the people who I was writing about. And he made it look like he was going to buy me my first camera because my birthday was coming up. And I was just like, finally, he's going to make amends. And my birthday comes and he ghosts me. And so almost out of spite, I went to Best Buy and my then boyfriend, now husband, helped split my very first camera with me. And that is my like honest story of how I picked up photography, almost like out of Gorahe, right? But 
I am very grateful because it was a canon event, <laughs> uh, as the kids would say. Um, it definitely changed the trajectory of my life. Like storytelling and speaking to people came so naturally to me, even though I resented like that part of me being compared to him. And as I picked up photojournalism, I really fell in love with coming out of my shell as an introvert and speaking to people and just holding space for my community and stories that often get neglected. And after the shooting event at the Black Lives Matter protest in Dallas in 2016 or 17, I was there and I was like in, in the midst of it. And I realized that I was too delicada for photojournalism, at least for that kind of photojournalism, which is something that you don't always get the chance to control when you're in the field. Like if your editor tells you, do you have to cover a certain story? You have to go cover it. And so I took a couple months off to just recoup in and decide if this was really for me and what I wanted to do if it wasn't. And that's how I then shifted to portraiture. And so as soon as I got into portraiture, I started working with a lot of other folks and realized that I could still have so much value in sharing people with individual stories and helping them really archive their family history. Because that's what that is. Like the photos that we take, they may seem like, oh, they're so silly and goofy, which is at the park. But those are the images that you will have to remember this chapter of your life for years and hopefully will be able to pass down to future generations. And Again, because my life is a telenovela at this point in my life, I was also dealing with facing my body image issues and really addressing the trauma I had around sensuality and and purity culture and religion and all of the things and like fat phobia. And I realized that I had been carrying this shame based off of what the world expected of like a fat woman or Latina or or just a woman in general of like what I should and shouldn't be allowed to do with my own body. And so as I began to heal that part of me, I shifted my work into boudoir and was able to finally hold space for women in this intimate and vulnerable way. And I've been specializing in boudoir photography now for I think five years, five or six years, which is crazy because I feel like I just started the other day and I've I've been fortunate enough to also have my own private studio here in Oak Cliff for the last two and a half years, coming up on three years. And that is kind of like from beginning to end, how I picked up photography and how I got to this spot specifically. Which honestly, I feel like that is why I connected with you so much because I feel like growing up, I struggled with it. I am plus size. I am Latina. And, you know, growing up, unfortunately, I was told like, oh, no te pongas esto. Um, That's not for your body. And being a mother now and being a wife, I realized like, how do I find my style? How, how do I feel comfortable in myself? And there was a TikTok that you shared um, where you were sharing a bourgeois session. And I was like, that is what my body looks like. And that's so beautiful. Like, instead of me being like, oh, I can't wear that. I can look at how beautiful that is. And so in that, I think that you sharing that journey has really been able to inspire so many people that you don't even know. Now, with that being said, 
Do you ever get messages from women telling you, thank you so much for sharing your journey and for sharing your work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, thank you for, for being vulnerable and sharing that antidote because, I mean, I think it's crazy that you came across my page a year ago and that this interview has almost been like a year in the making, you know? Um, but yes, I am definitely grateful for all of the messages that I get. I know that I do life-changing work. And again, that can seem so overdramatic for folks that are just like, this is just a silly little photo shoot, but it's more than the photos. And it's always been more than the photos, at least to me. I've gotten really great at photography, at like the logistics of lighting and posing and things like that. But what I truly feel sets me apart and, and makes my experience different and unique is that my experience that I provide folks is trauma-informed. And it starts with me. It starts with my vulnerability and my openness to share that, you know, I know what it's like to grow up in a very religious household that really believes in purity culture and will shame women for thinking that they can enjoy any part of their body for them and really wants them to believe that their body is not their own and instead is to be reserved for the consumption of someone else, like a future spouse. And what a shame to belittle us to think that this body that we were given is never our own. It's always, you know, we have to save it and honor it for our future partner. And then it's going to be our children's body, but it's never our own. And then I am, I have experienced some sort of, of sexual assault. I don't know the right word to say for it. So I also come in with that experience of, of, feeling like something was taken from you, feeling that you weren't always in control of your body, the shame of feeling that that something was stolen and that you're dirty somehow because of it or that it was your fault when it's absolutely not your fault. I will always be against blaming women for the actions of men, you know? And so knowing what I know, having been thin and been like too thin and still self-conscious and then having gained weight, when I struggled with my mental health and gotten to be a plus size uh, person, I know it all, <laughs> you know, I, I struggled all the struggles with, uh, with all of my clients. So I truly understand the majority of what really weighs us uh, heavily on us as women. And so I feel like there's no stronger story than sharing my own to help others feel seen because whether or not they ever even step foot in the studio, whether or not they ever let me share their photos, if they do, I hope that every time I post a photo of myself or, or someone's story or my story, that I help women feel a little bit more liberated to own themselves fully without feeling shame or selfish or guilt. I will say, I think it's very beautiful that you're able to use your experiences and use that as a testimony to help other women and I, I can speak for myself that it does it does touch people and it does motivate people and inspire them to you know come in terms with themselves and and be more comfortable and confident 
where did you find your confidence from? Like, where did you draw it out of? Yeah. When I was working with a career coach recently, I was giving her all of the reasons why I couldn't do what I wanted to do yet because I wasn't the best at it yet. I, I kept telling her, like, I'm going to wait till I feel confident to start showing up and doing what I do. And she very swiftly called me out on my bullshit and looked me in the eyes and said, Cynthia, you think you're going to wait for your confidence to kick in to show up, but it's in the showing up that you build your confidence to show up. And that's honestly where my confidence has come in. As I started Boudoir as a plus size person, and I was insecure about my body when I was thin, and I was insecure about my body when I had gained weight. So I felt like I was never confident in my skin. And I didn't have an excuse. Like if I wasn't confident then and I wasn't confident when I had gained weight, like there was there was no reason for me not to be confident, right? So I just started posting. I was just like, like hands to the air, like someone's gotta do it. <laughs> and and I know that so many women that are plus size, so many folks that are plus size, don't see a lot of folks that look like them online. And because of that, they don't think that this kind of experience is for them. So if no one lets me share their photos, I will post my own. And it was in that practicing of like, okay, this is my responsibility as a photographer. I need to walk the walk if I really want to impact folks on more on a deeper personal level instead of just offering pretty photos. And the very first time I ever stepped in front of the camera for a boudoir shoot, I cried. I'm not going to lie. It was very triggering because I was so vulnerable and I hadn't built that confidence yet. But if you ask me now, you know, six to eight years later, like I'll take my top off like nothing, <laughs> you know, like you could ask me to keep my clothes on now. And it's just because, because that girl that was scared showed up she cried about it <laughs> shortly after the experience but she kept showing up and it kept getting easier and she kept getting better and that's what my confidence has come from well I really thank you for sharing that and I really hope that whoever is hearing that that is struggling with that right now can take that and and put it in into play because I know I struggle with that so I'm gonna just be like just do it just show up and just do, do it. it yeah and if you think about it if you're like a logistical person and you think about why we struggle with our body image and our confidence and it's often because we've been saturated with this idea that we've only been shown thinner bodies and we've only been showed white bodies and we've on and we've always been told that like plus size brown black curvy bodies weren't sexy or they were like over sexualized there was like no in between so if you showing up and taking up space if we all do it collectively we will start to see other people that look like us being sexy being confident being professional you know all of the things that we feel like we grew up without and that will tilt the scale of what we see more and so it's scary to feel that way as an individual of like, oh, I have to do this for myself. I have to start showing up. And and it's like a domino effect. It takes you to be brave and wear the crop top and wear the booty shorts. And then someone else that looks like you is going to see you and say, 
that's my bitch, man. She looks just like me and they're going to do the same. And it's going to just continue influencing folks to feel confident in their bodies or just to be brave enough to wear something that they've always wanted to. And that's how we make change. Definitely. I definitely say that that is very important because I feel like that's the way I connected with you is that I saw that video and I'm like, that is what my body looks like. I I can wear those things. I can, you know, and I think that's very important because when I was growing up, we didn't have that representation in plus size fashion models, things like that. Even the other day that um I went to Target with my husband, I was like, where were these plus size mannequins when I was a teenager? Like, this is what I needed to see. And so it's cool to see it now. And so I totally agree with that. Um, Tell me what accomplishments have you been able to achieve now taking on your photography photography full-time? Hey, amiga, are you starting to notice fine lines appear on your face? Or maybe you're just wanting to tighten up your abdomen area a little bit? Or maybe just a non-invasive breast lift? Well, whatever the case may be, I have the solution for you. It's called the Plasma Fibroblast Skin Tightening Treatment. And I know what you're saying. What is that? Well, Plasma Fibroblast is a new non-invasive skin tightening and wrinkle reduction treatment. It helps tighten the skin around the area with super fickle brown dots that will heal and last about 5-7 to days. It targets fibroblast cells to stimulate the reproduction of collagen and elasticity which decreases over time. Kimberly Estrada, owner of Curves by Kim, offers this amazing treatment and also offers training if you're looking to expand your business. Kim is located in Floresville and offers a San Antonio location one week out of the month. If you're looking to book this appointment or look at before and after pictures of her incredible treatment, check out Curves with a K by Kim on Facebook and Instagram. You can also call and schedule your consultation at 210-650-2570. Okay, go do it now, amiga. I feel like I can't think of many. Um, I'm sure that there are, and it's like one of those questions that you ask and you're just like, what have I done with my life? Um, for sure, the most recent accomplishment that I've had the chance to have is Headshots for the Homies. So last year, two of my best friends and I won a grant from Hot Cheetos and Bad Bunny called the Deja Tu Huella grant. And we were offered the opportunity to basically have funding for any community project that we wanted to have. When we were sitting down to think of all of the ways that we could give back to our community, what we kept going back to is that a lot of our ideas were kind of like band-aids on a larger systemic issue. And we really wanted to create like systematic change. So we wanted to bring back an event that we had back in 2019, which was Headshot for the Homies, which was completely grassroots. It was completely community-driven where I gave out free headshots someone loaned us their their space for free to to host the event um we got a small donation from an organization to buy drinks for everyone 
Um, and it was just like a networking event with for the homies, something that was removed of corporate formality and and academia and like just like it wasn't just switching business cards it was an opportunity to actually build community to network with other folks in your community other entrepreneurs business owners other folks in corporate america and so we just were able to have it again literally last weekend i believe um in the biggest scale that we were able to we have ever been able to host it at and before that, we actually also got invited to host the Headshots for the Homies in LA, literally two days before our event. So we got to host Headshots for the Homies in Los Angeles, and we got to meet Becky G and a lot of the Cheetos team. And so that by far is probably one of the biggest, um, most rewarding highlights of my career of this year, probably like <laughs> for the rest of my life. Um, but it was really amazing to, to see the community come together. Because that's, it absolutely was a community event. Uh, photographers traveled from across the state to come to our event to be to shoot headshots. Uh, we had folks that came to volunteer from all across the state to to just make this happen. So it was an honor to provide that opportunity and that service to our community. That's so awesome. That that definitely is a big accomplishment that you're you're creating a a safe place for people to come together and build a community. And so I'm so, I'm so happy for you. Tell me what are one of the advices that you would give somebody that's wanting to pursue photography full-time, but doesn't know if that's the right move possibly for them. The biggest advice that I could give anyone, especially someone that wants to pursue photography and wants to see if it's the right direction for them is to remember that your decision does not need to be permanent for the rest of your life. You can remove the pressure that this one decision you make is going to be the one thing you have to stick by for the rest of your life. It is okay if your next move is just seasonal and it's just for you to experiment and experience the the chapter of pursuing photography full-time, pursuing your dream full-time and seeing how that goes. And then taking that actual lived experience and deciding, do I want to continue pursuing this further? Do I want to continue it and do it a little differently? Do I need to reach out to someone? You know, do I need to like tap into my community and see if I can get some more support? Or do I want to switch careers altogether and do something different? There's a lot of pressure that we've been kind of like indoctrinated to have believe that kind of going back to like high school, that the decision you make when you're graduating and like heading to college is going to be the one you have to keep for the rest of your life. Like you're not allowed to decide you want to try multiple things in college or even after. You always have the power to change the direction of your life, even when it feels like you're pushing against like the strongest of winds. You ultimately will always have control over your direction. And so if you're interested in pursuing photography full time, do not be afraid to tap into your community. Do not be afraid of showing up imperfectly and just trying and giving yourself the opportunity to see how much you actually enjoy it. And if there's other aspects that you enjoy more, don't be afraid of change um, and certainly give yourself the opportunity to be courageous enough to just show up. I love that answer. So if anybody is 
facing that problem right now where they don't know if they should pursue photography make sure that you make sure that you understand that there's always time and, and space for you to change your mind um sin can you tell me what is one of the things or one of the life lessons that you have learned so far that you would like to share with other people I think the biggest life lesson I've learned so far is going back to you always having control of your life. There were so many moments in my in my like late teens and early 20s where I felt like because I failed at pursuing the dream I originally wanted or because things didn't go my way, that life was over for me. And what a shame to think that at like 19, because I dropped out of college, my life is completely over. When it was just beginning, you always have the opportunity to redirect your life. And sometimes that redirection is harder because of the resources available to you, because of any privilege or, uh, or anything that folks can discriminate against you for. But ultimately, you can always change your route. And so when I dropped out of college and I gave up on my dream of being a medical professional and a doctor, I thought that that was the end of my life. And then I picked up journalism or photo, or you know, I picked up journalism and then photojournalism. And then I decided to do just editorial. And then I decided to do boudoir. And my life has only continued to get better because as I learned myself better, as I gave my chance, myself the chance to like mature and, and really learn who I was as a person, I was then able to have whatever I was doing in the world reflect that. And so give yourself the chance to pivot and change the direction of your life when you need it without feeling like you have to be glued to one thing for the rest of your life. And give yourself the grace to know that things always work out. They don't always work out in the way we expect them to, but that sometimes is perfectly fine because you have to leave a little bit of room for the magic to come in. You know, if you have, if you're a believer, if you have faith, if you're just like an astrology girly like me, you have to leave a little bit of room for, for that magic to come in because sometimes unanswered prayers or plans that don't go our way are like un divine redirection, divine redirection to something better. And so even when you don't know what you want to do and you don't, know how a situation is going to work itself out as long as you continue showing up for yourself and and doing the best that you can something will always work out for you I love that can you tell me sin is there um anything that you take from your culture that you implicate now in your photography that's an amazing question I think one of the things I take away like that I, I use from my culture that I implement in photography is kind of like the sense of community that I have with each client. By the time clients step into my studio, like they are family to me and it's not just business, which is probably like one of the worst, like one of the, like the worst things or the things I struggle with the most as a business owner is like, it's not just business. It's not just about the money. It like, it's about us as individuals, as people, as like souls. And so when you come into the studio, yes, almost amigas, you know, we're chismeando. We are, we're over here talking about, you know, like their 
dating life, like their aspirations. Most of the time, while clients are getting glammed in the studio, it's like a trauma dump, like therapy. Like we're just like going down the rabbit hole and seeing all of the different ways that we resonate with each other's stories. And the same in the afterwards, it's the same. Like I always want to see my clients doing their best after their experience is all wrapped up. Another thing that I take away from my cultura is the way I like to prepare for shoots involves a lot of like cleansing and prayer and and just really clearing the energies of the studio and myself to hold space for my clients wherever they are in their lives and wherever they are in their journey. I always cleanse the studio and and say a little prayer. And that's definitely a part of my culture. That's kind of how I was brought up. And regardless if we share the same faith or not, I I take that as an opportunity to just prepare the space and myself and our energies to meet you wherever you are coming from. I love that. I love that. Can you tell me, are there any other photographers that you look up to or that mentor you in any way? That's an amazing question. So I have so many photographers I look up to that I love. Um, I don't have a mentor right now, but I'd always love to have a mentor one day. Um, I'm going to pull my phone out for this one because I'm not going to remember usernames or like, I don't want to butcher them, but give me a sec. So the main one, one of my biggest photography inspirations is Lindsay Adler. She is a fashion and commercial photographer based out of New York City. And she is my goals. Like, she's an amazing educator. She's been an educator for almost like a decade. And that's who I want to be when I grow up. You know, <laughs> I want to be like her. Um, other photographers that I love and admire. Um, my friend Stephanie Rodriguez, who Steph's Rodriguez, no, Steph's Photography Texas on Instagram. She's an amazing photographer. She specializes in in portraits, graduations, and boudoir. Give me a sec. I feel like there is there's so many that like all of the usernames are like jumping to the my, the top of my head right now. One sec. Why are none of them showing up on my feed right now? <laughs> now that I need them the most. That always ends up happening. That always ends up happening, right? There's this photographer based out of Oceanside in California that I love. Her name is Carrie. Carrie and Kelly. Um, she's also a photographer photographer. She's amazing. I, I absolutely I love her and her work um I think that's it for now there's there really are so many but I'm I'm going to be here all day looking up their <laughs> user handles right now no but I'm I'm definitely going to check them out also now I know you did mention that um you your dream is to educate so tell me a little bit about that what kind of pushed you into wanting to educate photography? I 
think that maybe it's like the ROTC kid in me <laughs> that always loved being a leader that really kind of inspired me to even have the idea of stepping into education. And because I am a photographer and this is the thing I focus on for the majority of almost a decade, that just happens to be what I feel the most capable and prepared to be an educator for. And as my career has kind of progressed, I realized the discrepancy in educators and the communities that they serve. So I grew up here in Oak Cliff. I'm, I've been, I became a photographer here in Dallas and there are so so, so many Latina photographers here in Dallas. Like I can't throw a rock down the street and not hit another Latina photographer. And when you take a look at in the education space, there are so, so few Latina photographer educators. Mm -hmm. And when I, I picked up photography in the beginning solely based off of YouTube, and the majority of photographers on YouTube that I came across whose profiles were being pushed and who had these huge platforms were white male photographers. And no hate to them for being white men. They did what they did. They helped educate me in all of the ways. It would have just been amazing to see a Latina, a Black woman, an Indigenous woman with a platform that size also educating folks in the community. And in the last couple of years, they've had to really kind of grasp this idea of if I want to see the change, I have to be part of the change. And that doesn't mean that everyone needs to be a photography educator, but we certainly can demand more diversity in educational spaces. We can uplift those folks that are being courageous enough to step into those educational spaces as women of color, as people of color. Um, and Yo puedo hablar for days. <laughs> like, yo tengo lengua for days, as my mom would say. So because of that, I, I figured, why not me? Why not me? Maybe this isn't something I do forever. Maybe this isn't something I have to do super, super well to, to get started in it. But I certainly love what I do. I'm very passionate about uplifting other Latinas and helping them close generational gaps that with their career. So why not me? Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm going to manifest that for you so that I, yes, so that we can see <laughs> on the bigger platforms having you educate and mentor because I, I can definitely see that in the future for you. So I know with social media, of course, you do share photos and you do share TikToks and videos about your journey. But is there anything that we can't get from your social media that you would want people to know about you? Oh, chase me. <laughs> um, I think I'm a very open book on social media, to be honest with you. I wish I could think of something that I don't necessarily post, but I I, I am an overshare, unfortunately. <laughs> so, so if I'm feeling it, it's probably online. I know that I intentionally... Uh, avoid sharing like any kind of like family things on social media um just because I consented to be an open book online but that doesn't mean that they did so like I very rarely share like family stuff online but I mean from my struggle with body image with my mental health journey and, and stepping into therapy and just 
healing a lot of generational trauma. <laughs> um, from building the courage to share my own photos online and really holding space for others to to feel just aligned and comfortable in their own skin. I think that I share it all. Um, I am a little bit more introverted in person than people think I am. So like when they saw across the stream, like tengo lengua, you know, I, I'll talk for days. And I think that the way I edit my my videos, people think that public speaking comes so naturally to me. But in person, I do get shy, you know, like <laughs> come say hi, but like quietly, you know. <laughs> um, I think that that's probably what that what gets people off, that catches people off the most. That in person, I'm a little bit more introverted than I look like I am online. Mm, that makes sense though because I feel like that's also me like people are like but you share people's stories you interview I'm like yeah but there's something about when you're like frente de me that I'm like Ooh, like I get all shy yeah. I feel like I stutter and I'm like oh uh. but so I can totally totally understand that um do you have any upcoming events that you would want us to keep an eye out for any upcoming collaborations that you're working on Oh, can I share any? Um, <laughs> I will say, I think I've wrapped the biggest one, which was Hedgehogs for the Homies last weekend. Um, that one took so, so many months of preparation leading up to it. We might do other events, like smaller events um, coming up. But for now, I think the only thing I really have going on is I am having like a birthday month sale for my business I usually only have like one big sale a year and it's usually in September for my birthday month because I just turned 30 literally a week ago I just turned 30 um and I am hoping to drop my annual merch drop so I, I once a year on in September I like to like bring out new designs and that'll hopefully be ready by the end of the month and I'm sure that once I have fully recovered from all of the planning that we did for for the homies that I would love to have other events. I know that I really want to bring more intimate-ish events to Oak Cliff. And back in May, we had Mentes Fuertes, which was a panel that I helped host for mental health and the Latina culture in the Latina community. And we hosted that at Olmo Market here in Oak Cliff. And it was amazing. I think I didn't, it was my first time ever hosting anything like that. And I mean, it was like so therapeutic for, for, I hope for us, it was as therapeutic for the crowd as it was for me. So I'd love to host other events coming soon. If anyone wants to sponsor or, or loan us their space or co-host them with me, I'm definitely open to it because I know I can't do it alone. And I, I don't want to have to do it alone. I want to be able to bring out other perspectives and other ideas. But for now, we're, we're easing into the fall and we'll see kind of like what we bring up at the end of the year well i'm excited to see all of that unfold for you well thank you again sin for taking the time to share your story and share your knowledge with us and your experiences um can you let everybody know where they can connect with you so if you want to follow me you can find me on tiktok instagram and youtube at sin photos my handle is c-i-n-p-h-o-t-o-s the dyslexia was kicking in for a second. <laughs> no, you're completely fine. Well, you guys can um find her at her handle. I'll have everything linked down below for you guys. And again, thank you guys for joining us.
Do you want to continue supporting our podcast? The best way to do that is if you can please follow us at Hefatalk on Instagram and on Facebook. You can find our podcast streaming on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. To continue to help us grow, please consider sharing our podcast with everybody you know. Leave a review, make sure you subscribe, and I can't wait to continue sharing stories with you all.